This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Look right down any crowded hall. You'll see there's a beauty standing. Is she really everywhere or a reflection? One always calls out to you. The other's shy and quiet. Be two different girls who look the same at Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High. Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High. Welcome to Pi Beta Alpha, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of the Sweet Valley High TV series. Episode by episode. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week we're heading to the beach and surfing the nets. Yeah, they tricked us. We, we <laughs> thought it was going to be an internet centric episode. <laughs> but it really wasn't. And it actually is weirdly accurate as a title. Very true. Yeah, you know, they they love a pun. They love a bit of wordplay. They and do. Really, it's on us not uh, not reading deeper into the uh, into the title, you know. Very true. Uh, well, we will start as usual with our now two yes. taglines. Dueling taglines. Yeah. Can you share the Amazon one, please? I can. So the Amazon one is simply Liz and Peter plot to clean up the fishing nets on the beach. I mean, in a way, but that's yeah, it's not kind of, really the point of their No, mission. this sounds like they're doing a beach cleanup like Liz was doing yes. back at the start of... Was it season two, actually, I think? Um, yeah, it, it, that's not really, you know, that is kind of, I guess, part of what happens. But yeah, it's not like they're organizing a big, like, let's all clean up the beach type exactly. of initiative. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, the Wikipedia tagline is also accurate, but again, just on one part of the plot, um, because it says, the group make a bet to see who can give up their bad habit. No flirting for Jess, no sports talk for Todd, etc. For 48 hours. Hmm. It's actually true. It is. <laughs> I like the etc. It's like, we can't be arsed listing the rest. Yeah, just etc. <laughs> yeah. That shower. <laughs> you know what they're like. <laughs> well, we get to see what they're all like when uh, we begin at the moon beach where Lila is showing Jessica one of the many pairs of shoes she's bought at the mall. She's bought one in every colour but chartreuse. <laughs> um, but Jessica's distracted because, as she says, hug Karama at 12 <laughs> o'clock. Well, there you go. You're never going to hold her attention when there's a hot guy around. <laughs> so, Not yeah, when there's a some... hunkarama going well, on. Look, I mean, is, yeah, hunkarama, I guess, is, is a next level up from just hot guy. I mean, Ooh. hot guy is basically pedestrian, probably, compared to <laughs> hunkarama alert. Um, yeah, it's some guy called Dylan. I don't know. We kind of hear her going, hey, Dylan. <laughs> and he kind of wanders <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, he's no hunkarama in my book. No. Again, a missed opportunity to put in a real character. I know. But um, (laughs) anyway, Lila is, uh, she's gazing after him as Lila's babbling on about how now she has to buy six matching purses to to go with the (laughs) shoes. And then we pad to Enid in her trademark baker boy hat and a very 90s uh, sort of A-line shirt dress over a long Mm. t-shirt telling Cheryl yet another ridiculous story about her relations. (laughs) Yes, she's, uh, yeah, she's telling her about how her cousin got the nickname Cutie. 
Blue Boy after her uncle Levi dared him to swallow the eight ball and it got stuck in his mouth. Uh, and Cheryl is like, oh, sounds like quaint Enid family tradition number 564. And then she's like, want to try it? Because yeah. Cheryl's kind of mean sometimes. Sure, I, I don't think this is fair to the actress because she's no. able to be very charming and likable and the kind of maker like kind of nasty uh, a lot of the time like she's really yeah. she's really like, she's given all these kind of bitchy lines it's true yeah they make her very eye-rolly and kind of yeah sarcastic and stuff but like she was lovely in the last episode like her and Enid had a lovely little kind of double act going on when she was like reassuring her that she'll find a guy wherever and yeah. and then it kind of switches again and it's like and now she's just being mean to Enid but like Enid is so breezy it's kind of all just going over her head anyway that's true like, yeah, whatever so I do like that it's not like hurting her feelings at least true I think it, it's just a shame because it would would have been great to make Cheryl a kind of like eye-rolly deadpan mm. kind yes. of character but um, they've, they've sort of made it so it's always targeted at somebody like Enid and mm. uh, just starting to feel like bullying which is <laughs> it's 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 a uh, it's unfortunate because we know yeah. that she can be funny and deadpan in a very entertaining way and yeah, yeah. it's the writing that's kind of letting her down here this is yes Tiffany at all yeah um she actually does have some genuinely really funny moments mm. later but yeah. um uh yeah because Enid when you know Cheryl offers her this jive Enid says no one family member without teeth is enough and besides <laughs> she wouldn't be able to talk and then Cheryl also really meanly is like you're right life wouldn't be complete without a daily dose of aunt something and uncle fester <laughs> and uh, it's sort of Jessica kind of lines. It actually but, is. Yeah, that's true. But again, Enid is so, again, just like unbothered. She's like, oh, I don't have an Uncle Fester. You must be thinking of my Uncle Lester. And he's the one who, and she's about to kind of go off on another big spiel about <laughs> some other weird family member. <laughs> so the others all kind of slag her off for always talking about her, her uh, ridiculous relations. And Winston bets her she couldn't go 10 minutes without me uh, mentioning one of them. And she says, oh, God, I think everybody who's always worried they've ha got annoying habits <laughs> and might, might be accused of uh, of them by all their friends uh, might, might feel their worst fears realised as Edith is like, I'm not that bad, am I? No. <laughs> yeah, Todd kind of chimes in and he's like, oh, yeah, you only take breaks for meals. Um, but uh, Enid quite rightly then points out, well, how long could you go without gabbing about sports, Todd? She calls him Mr. Basket Boring, which I did like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that coming. <laughs> and the others agree. Jessica says he's got a one track mind and Lila's pretty much, that's a bit rich coming from you, boys are us. That was great. I, <laughs> I really like that. I think she called her Miss Boys or Us, which is oh, better again. Right. <laughs> I have to say, I'm really warming to Shirley as uh, Lila. She is doing a great job. She is. I like how you're pronouncing the double E at the end. Of course. <laughs> I have to. Give her all her extra E's. All that yeah. credit. Well, Winston uh, strolls into shot and makes a bet. Yes, he challenges them all and says, I bet that none of you can go two days without. And he kind of like points to each of them in turn as he goes like flirting, shopping, talking about family or sports. Um, and again, Cheryl kind of meanly is like, well, can you go two days minding your own business? And Winston's like, well, I can go without being sarcastic. Can you? Yeah. So then he has an offer for them. It's, it's yes. actually pretty good as a scheme. 
It is. And it's a it's a fun storyline, too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he reckons that for the next 20, for next 48 hours, as he puts it, let's see if you can all give up your, let's say, little quirks. <laughs> so he says if they crack, they have to put $25 in the pot and the last one standing wins all the money. Um, so Todd is like, well, what happens if we all crack? And then Winston's like, well, then I'm $125 richer. Um, but then Ian is like, well, you have to give up something, too. And he's like, like what? And Jessica and Lila at the same time go, being a geek? <laughs> Winston, very charmingly, is like, oh, no so way. Good. I gotta be me. Yeah. <laughs> Just ridiculously charming, even with his new haircut. Look, it's we can't fight it. It's happened. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll we... always have seasons one and two. <laughs> oh, we sure will. But uh, Winston, his cropped locks, says now they must take the moon beach oath. And they all swear on one menu, which is genuinely quite funny as well. Um, mm. And Winston looks confident as they all stroll off. Yeah, he reckons this is going to be some easy money for him. But on the way out, Lila sees a girl in one of the booths show off her new earrings. And when uh, evil Jessica says, oh, they look great with your new shoes. uh, Lila says she can't take it anymore. She just hands Winston $25, just says, I'm out. (laughs) And then buys earrings off the girl for 50 bucks. Yeah, she's like, longest 15 seconds of my life. <laughs> I did also enjoy that uh, the girl whose earrings they are, she kind of oh. points out that she bought them from Saxondales, which is a nice yeah. melding of Saxon Bloomington. Oh, you're right. <laughs> well, uh, the credits roll. And after them, we cut to the beach where Liz and Peter are literally romping on the surf. Frolicking, um, <laughs> as you do. Yes. <laughs> But then Liz trips on a washed up fishing net. She's sort of <gasps> tangled up in it. Oh no. Yeah. So uh, Peter apparently has the kind of the scoop on this whole fishing net situation because fishermen mm-hmm. have been cutting their nets loose instead of like actually pulling them in and untangling them and stuff. And apparently the only way to catch the offenders is if you have the serial number. And as he's saying it, he finds that there actually is a serial number sewn to this particular net or the section of it that they have. Uh, so he's like, right, well, this is a lead. And as he puts <gasps> it, this is the start of a beautiful headline. I did like that line, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, it was pretty good. I had to give him that. <laughs> <laughs> Loath as I am to praise Peter. I mean, he could be worse in fairness. Than well, this is it. And he was fun. pretty good in the last episode. We were kind of, we kind of had to admit, he said he did seem like a good dude in the last one at least. <laughs> That's true. We cut to the office and Peter gets off the phone. He's learned that the ocean is full of these nets and they're, because um, it's cheaper for the big fishing companies to lose, uh, to cut nets loose mm-hmm. and just let them drift around and then fix the nets. And this net, which is one of the many that have been causing loads of damage, trapping lots of sea creatures, mm-hmm. belongs <laughs> to fish out of water. Which is <laughs> a cannery. Oh my God. And it's owned. Okay, Batman! Finally, Batman Cannon gets its due. The cans! At last, the cans! <laughs> Batman Cannon has its moment in the sun, maybe as fish out of water cannery, but we know what's really going on here. <laughs> oh, well, they do say it's part of Patman industry, so I'm going to yes. consider it Patman Canning. Oh, 100%. My notes say Patman Canning. Like, yeah, yeah. this is what's happening. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Well, um, yes, RJ Patman, of course, not Hank, is uh, her class. Liz says, oh, that's my classmate, Reggie's dad, because this is such a fucking square. She doesn't call it Fred. <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah. Everyone else does. 
<laughs> so um, it uh, Peter says Patman Industries have been a, a bit on the environmental enemy list for years. <laughs> Don't say who's keeping this list, but no, <laughs> an official list. What's going on here exactly? <laughs> and uh, Peter certainly has dreams of glory. He says this is their ticket out of the classifieds. They can help the environment and bring down the entire Patman dynasty with their own nets. Wow. Yeah, he's really gung ho about this whole mission. And Liz is a little bit. She's kind of slightly put off, I think, by his energy here. She kind of feels mm. like he's got a personal vendetta against the Patmans. And she's a bit kind of iffy on it. She's like, look, maybe calm down a bit. <laughs> she wants to chat to Shred's dad before they like rush ahead with this article. But Peter is like adamant that this could be a national story and their big break and where they'll really get their bylines on the cover and all this kind of thing. Mm. Um, but Liz rightly says, well, we should talk to RJ Patman hmm. um, because, you know, it's not like anybody else has this scoop, which is the serial number of one net that yeah. miraculously survived. And um, he, you know, they should, they can wait like a day or so. But this um, is the thing. Pe- yeah, Peter is so impatient to get it going. And like all Liz wants to do, to me, it seems like is actual proper journalism. <laughs> and he's just like, no, we have to just rush ahead with this. I mean, I don't know what editorial standards are going on in, uh, <laughs> in, in the Tribune. I mean, possibly the same as the London Journal. Look but... <laughs> What's yeah, Lucy I mean... Greer? What kind of a show is she running here this time? <laughs> the same as Lucy Fridays, apparently. Because <laughs> yeah. seriously, no editor would be like, oh yeah, let's just not really bother investigating this properly mm. or talking to the, comp- the company uh, we're accusing. You know, at least to say they refuse to comment because that's enough. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Peter is like, oh, a few quotes won't hurt, but then says, the Patmans are piranhas. They'll eat you alive. <gasps> and then we cut to a sardine sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is a very good cutaway, actually, because yeah. it is, of course, Shred eating his sardine sandwich in the hallway at SVH. <laughs> yeah. Oh, inexplicably eating it at his locker. Like, why? Oh, I have no idea. Maybe he's just hungry. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they don't have enough budget for a canteen set. Which well, also that. Surprise me. <laughs> well, Liz, tell him about the, the net situation at the beach, uh, which, as Shred said, is it's so no bueno. <laughs> And then she asks, could, you know, could Shred help her talk, or Reggie, as she calls him, mm. help her talk to his dad because he's not answering Liz's calls. Um, and Shred is sympathetic, but he does not think he can help. No, he he reckons it's kind of an awkward position for him. And as he puts it, it's like being caught between a rock and another rock. <laughs> so he kind of points out to Liz that, look, just the way his dad is, he's like, or he kind of says, yeah, nobody can tell my old man anything about his business, especially me. Uh, and he kind of says that his dad is really scary. Yeah. Um, but um, Liz is kind of like, well, OK, but just so you know, like there's people in the Tribune are actually gunning for him. Um, yeah. But Shred is just like, look, I can't get involved. But like he does wish her good luck on all this. Yeah, he does. Um, and also, I don't know if you noticed this, but it looked like his locker was full of like troll dolls or something. What? <laughs> 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 Just like rammed with weird little troll dolls. Oh my God, Shred, I love you. It's great. (laughs) He's just the gift that keeps on giving, honestly. (laughs) And then finally, after he wishes her luck, he says, uh, he smiles completely adorably and says, do me a favour. Call me Shred. No, that's kind of a catchphrase really at this stage. Yeah, we haven't heard it since the first few episodes, but Hmm. I'm happy to hear it again. Yeah. 
So the camera pans over. There's a lot of sort of some, I don't know, uh, DP on this on this shoot was really, you know, showing their skills because de- there's a lot of, you know, smooth pans mm. over characters walk out of one shot and somebody else comes in and... Uh, the camera pans over as Liz walks away to Todd and some guy, and they're talking about basketball. But when Todd passes Liz, I don't really know why, because she's not part of this bet. He changes the subject um, and starts asking this unnamed friend whether his shirt's from the Gap. The guy's like, we were talking hoops. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Todd is like, yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, there's more to life than sports. And his friend is like, oh, like what? And Todd's like... I have no idea. So he's feeling the pressure already to uh, not talk about sport, obviously. Well, we do learn that there is literally nothing in Todd's head but sports. <laughs> oh my God, just head empty, just vibes in there. <laughs> not even very interesting vibes. Not a like, how the fuck did him and Liz stay together this long? It gets more and more amazing the more I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so as he and his unnamed friend walk on, uh, Lila and Jessica come into ca- to shot and they're being uh, greeted by a hunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mystery hunk. He's like, ladies, I'm new here. He wants to know, is there covered parking anywhere? Because he doesn't like having the sun beat down on his Maserati. Uh, and Jess, and again, this is just brilliant oh, from Brittany so Daniel funny. here. She just like can't even make eye contact with him. And she just like shakes her head and she's like, no, no, no parking. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, pager beeps and he checks it. And he's like, oh, it's my agent bugging me about the shoes. And he's like, well, Calvin will just have to wait. <laughs> And again, Jessica's just like freaking out very quietly, not saying anything. She's um, sort of whimpering. It's very <laughs> funny. Like, she's so good at this. Um, but then, yeah, he says to them both that he was going to take lunch on the set of Baywatch uh, if they want to come. And again, Jessica's just like shaking her head. Can't make a comment. <laughs> so Lila obviously takes advantage because she's out of the bed at this stage and she yeah. can do whatever she wants. So she's like, I'll go. <laughs> and as she strolls away arm in arm with this new guy, uh, she kind of turns back to Jessica and she's like, don't worry, Jess, I'll give, I'll give all the life it's a kiss for you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bet you delighted. <laughs> bet you will. <laughs> well, we cut to a classroom where a boring, like some monotonous voiced mm. teenage teacher is repeatedly saying that they have to, to have to answer the uh, multiple choice test they're doing with a number two pencil. And she keeps repeating it. And when she walks, Enid brightly says, think I could use a pen. And you could see Cheryl. I mean, I don't blame Cheryl for being <laughs> irritated by this. But this is some, some great uh, acting from Tiffany because she's about to say something when Jessica sort of leans in and smirks at her and then she (laughs) very funnily very calmly but clearly like restraining her rage with difficulty Mm. goes I believe she said to use a pencil then she snaps her own pencil in half (laughs) just the frustration on her face is very good again super entertaining like little vignettes and I really love this whole plot line because it's just lots of really funny stupid little scenes where everyone just gets to be gas like yeah everybody is great (laughs) yes Well, we cut to Eden's boudoir and what a boudoir it is. Um, well, surely I wasn't the only one absolutely terrified by the fucking landscape of dolls and creepy clown faces <laughs> on her like bedside table or locker or whatever that was because what was going on there? Oh, it's it is terrifying. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, she's got the radio on to the local Sweet Valley station, and the host uh, was a very cheesy sort of fifties voice, which I kind of liked. It's like mm. it's time to play. How wacky is your family? <laughs> and uh, she, he, as he says, we call a listener, but if they have a wacky story about their family, they win tickets to the Partridge Family reunion show. And he's just like the Partridge Family. I kind of- <laughs> I think I love this as the Partridge Family might have sung because I do love that she's just into weird shit, like retro, ridiculous shit. This is very much her vibe now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I like it too. <laughs> well, the phone rings and the host says, Enid Rollins. We don't have any reason for how they know her name. No. And, uh, <laughs> but let's just go with it because it is fun. Uh, yeah. He goes, Enid Rollins, how wacky is your family? And Enid is so tormented. She, the only way she can answer him is to just without revealing you know yet another tale and breaking mm-hmm. the bet is by just babbling gibberish just full-on gibberish yeah <laughs> and i felt so bad for her here because it was like oh this was like her ideal thing and the dj quite patiently i thought is like come on Ina, don't be shy and again it's more gibberish she's just like i don't even know what she's <laughs> but the um, the DJ's like, oh, well, unfortunately, our translator has the day off. Uh, so we're going to have to call somebody else. But welcome to our country. <laughs> well, that was quite charming. <laughs> like, he's lovely. <laughs> and when Nina tags up, she's like punching her pillow. But oh. we cut to the host and he's not allowed. It was a fucking setup by Todd, as my notes say. That git. <laughs> I don't think Todd is smart enough to come up with this. No, this is like something Jessica put him up to. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's there in the booth with the DJ. So obviously this was all, well, allegedly Todd's idea uh, to try and trap Enid. But uh, it didn't work. So <laughs> feck you, Todd. But, uh, but then, uh, yeah, the DJ kind of turns to him and very casually is like, so, you know, do you think you guys are going to beat Big Mesa? Uh, and Todd literally has to just like run away with his fingers in his ears. Yeah, doing this sort of la la la, I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we cut to the beach and uh, and Shred is trapped in a net. <laughs> no, no, Shred, he's emerging from the water with his surfboard, but yes, all tangled up in a net and he's crying out, Wingnut, Wingnut. And I thought <laughs> this was going to be Winston because it sounds Same. like something he would call Winston, but no, he has a surfer buddy, I guess, called Wingnut. So, <laughs> uh, uh, well, Wingnut. Wignut is hilarious as well. Yes. Wignut rushes to Shred's aid and is like, oh, you look like the creature from the harsh lagoon. <laughs> and uh, he frees Shred from his uh, his net. <laughs> so just the idea of Shred's been caught in a net. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, and he reveals that another surfer got caught in a net the other day. They're all over the beach and says mm. the dudes are, are bummed out. The seals and dolphins aren't psyched either. And Shred angrily says, that thing is a death trap. And Wingnut truly hilariously says, tell that to the sea lions, bruh. It was very much like a bruh. <laughs> <laughs> like Wingnut is giving this everything and I love him for it. <laughs> well, he says somebody's got to do something or Sweet Valley Beach is finito. Shred <gasps> looks troubled. He does. And then we get another very entertaining scene as we cut to the moon beach and the gang are sitting in a booth, but uh, none of them saying a word. It's so funny. They're all like, it's like Cheryl, Jess, Todd and Enid. So the remaining kind of players in this bet are just sitting there in stony silence looking at each other. Um, And then Winston ambles over and he's like, well, it's been 24 hours and none of you have cracked. I'm impressed. Uh, So Cheryl, again, has to to be chill and not be mean to people. (laughs) It's like, rather than being sarcastic, her thing should have just been like, don't be mean to people. 
<laughs> yeah, you can be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, don't hurt their feelings. Exactly, but yeah, she's just like, oh, it's it's no problem. It, it is no problem at all. Uh, so Winston reckons he has something that might taunt her out of her, uh, I guess, non-sarcastic ways. <laughs> he does. He says, "Tell me, Cheryl, how do you manage to keep your hands off me?" <laughs> And Cheryl, again, she's doing a great job. Uh, she makes a visible effort to restrain herself. <laughs> and that's like, can I have the ketchup, please? <laughs> she's really holding back. And her face is very funny and all these kind of things where she's really like, the restraint is just... Like, yeah. She's <laughs> suffering here. She really is under pressure. <laughs> but we pan across to Jessica and we get a voiceover from her. And she's really impressed by Cheryl. Like, she, she wouldn't have been able to resist to a jive and then we cut to pan back to Cheryl and get her thoughts and uh, we learn she's been up to some tricks there you go yeah because uh, we hear her internal monologue saying that she can't believe she got Enrique to drive down on his Maserati and Jess didn't even bite so everybody is being sneaky and trying to sabotage the other people in this bed <laughs> well Jessica tells Enid she's having a family reunion does she have any advice and Enid is like no I don't but her voiceover <laughs> this part actually made me laugh out loud <laughs> Her voiceover uh, says that Jessica's so manipulative. She's even worse than Uncle Ben. I can't believe you tricked Cousin Roy into, into thinking that our last year had been a dream. <laughs> and I properly lolled at that. It was great because then she immediately thinks, oh no, I just did it. Should I turn myself in? And I'm like, no, Enid, you're winning here. <laughs> you banged up. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, hang, uh, well, no, hanging tough is, uh, is or hanging anything is not basketball. I know nothing about sports. We cut to Dodd. We hear his thoughts and they're frankly what you'd expect. Literally <laughs> just him going, basketball, basketball over and over again because truly there are no thoughts in that boy's head it is literally just a solo little basketball bouncing around from one corner to the other and that's about it in a very empty empty space (laughs) so then Cheryl says uh i can't take it anymore i'm going to a movie so the others um join uh join her they all get up to go and jessica sort of gives todd a sly look and suggests renting hoop dreams or as the amazon subtitle said poop dreams <laughs> i'm doing that whenever anyone said hoops because like earlier on in the episode when todd and his friend were talking and your man goes oh, what was it we're talking hoops wilkins <laughs> i came up because we were talking hoops wilkins <laughs> 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 oh my god talking poops and poop dreams what a gift <laughs> well they go off to possibly watch poop dreams and then we <laughs> god no no let's not think god, I hope about not. that <laughs> <laughs> well we cut to Winston's voiceover and uh, he just wonders what he'll buy with all his winnings Exactly. Yeah, he seems like. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like he's still he's still on a winner here anyway because uh, they're all about to crack any minute. It seems like. Oh, they sure are. Well, we cut to what looks like initially Shred addressing his dad at the beach because he says it used to be totally weather until your company <laughs> made a guffy with bogus nets. But it turns out he's in the casa and he's talking to a surfboard with a hat and tie on it. <laughs> Love this. 
much. Well done, whoever is on production design here, because that was great. <laughs> and I mean, it's not like Ned's around to wear that. Well, time. look, there are no adults around. So what else is he going to do? <laughs> well, Jessica says that, you know, this isn't... This isn't ideal. He's got to state his case clearly in plain English to be taken seriously. But Shred says his pop will never take anything Shred says seriously. He thinks Shred is a total bullhead. Uh, but Liz hopes that, uh, or seems really annoyingly confident, like she doesn't know Shred's dad. No. <laughs> I guess she's just angling for her interview, whatever way she can get it, maybe. Mm. I don't know. But uh, she does kind of point out, look, maybe he'll take you seriously if he sees that you're standing up for something. Um, but Shred is is unconvinced and he's like, no, I'm the wrong dude for the job. <laughs> and Liz is like, no, you're the perfect dude for the job. <laughs> <laughs> because he's seen the problem firsthand. Yeah. Um, but Shred is still just like, oh, my dad is too scary. And the worst part, apparently, is that he still calls him Reginald. <gasps> the ultimate crime. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we cut to the office. Well, this is, uh, see, Peter, we, we were starting to like him and then no. This is um, this is how these boys go. <laughs> they got inside and then suddenly they just fuck it all up. <laughs> of course. Because uh, Liz is telling Peter that she got the end. She's got an interview with uh, RJ Patman. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sad guitar plays, as Peter says, it's too late. He's already written the article by himself. Dick. Yeah, because they were supposed to work on this together. And like, quite rightly, Liz is like, oh, what the fuck? What do you do? What do you mean you wrote it already? Um, but Peter's like, yeah, I couldn't sit on it any longer. It's too important. Like he literally has to wait a matter of hours slash yes. a day to get this thing out. Um, and yeah, when he kind of says it's too important, Liz is like, right, do you mean for you or for Sweet Valley? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peter's just like, no, I have to run it now. It's got everything. Man versus nature. Corporate neglect. No decent journalist would wait. It's like no decent journalist would run this fucking story without talking to everybody, you idiot. Pretty much um, what Liz says. Oh, that actually is. Yes. I forgot (laughs) to read ahead on my own notes. But that is basically what she says that no decent journalist would file a story without hearing both sides. So she wants until 5 p.m. that day. But then Peter's annoyed because he'll miss the deadline for the late edition. Because remember, we were wondering what the hell was going on with all these newspapers. Yeah. I guess the Tribune has a late edition. So that's new information. No, so he wants it in the paper that very day. Yeah, fucking hell. So, uh, if, yeah, if she, he says that's fine. But like, mm. if she, if, if she doesn't get something back to him after for four or five o'clock, he's going to run with it. The sad guitar plays. Oh. As he looks frustrated. So we uh, cut to uh, the gang in a jeep. Uh, they're just driving around very dangerously, as we learn. Oh my uh, God. I mean, <laughs> Again, it is the Sweet Valley way. <laughs> true. At least it's very much in character uh, or consistent with the books. So uh, Enid and Jessica are trying to sort of almost trick or tempt Todd into talking about basketball. They don't realise they've been chased by a cop. Yeah, I see, Jessica was too busy, like, egging Todd on to talk about basketball that uh, she ran through a stop sign. So there is a, a cop car behind them and she has to pull in and Jessica's freaking out because she can't afford another ticket. So, of course, as soon as the cop comes up to the side of the Jeep, she immediately starts flirting with him. Yeah. Uh, at which point, Edith is like, well, you just lost your bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the cop is completely uninterested in Jessica's wily ways and just like yeah whatever uh, getting on with writing his ticket uh, but then he notices Todd and he's like oh you're Todd Wilkins that was a nice game the other night and Todd's kind of like yeah you know he's kind of non-committal like you know you win some you win some <laughs> um, but then when the cop kind of presses and he's like well what about those state championships this year I guess everyone's very invested in the local high school oh, basketball Christ. team for well, fairness, <laughs> I have seen Friday Night Lights so oh okay 
So, <laughs> but, I mean, that was American football, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But just guess, local high school sports, I guess, depending on the town, can be an enormously big deal. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> yes. Um, so he and Todd continue to chat about basketball for a minute because um, I guess Todd's just conceded defeat now. Yeah. And the cop gives Jessica a fifty dollar ticket and says, uh, you know, it'll be more. Um, if I'd gone after you for not wearing safety belts, these oh god, jets are driving around with no, none of them no wearing safety, safety belts. belts. This is this is this is how like I just this is bamboozling to me as you know, as the generation of Irish people who have grown up with horrific driving safety ads and like the one without the seat belts belt did the damage. Did the damage exactly. We're all traumatized from these fucking RSA ads, and then you've got teens driving around California with no seat belts on. And I'm just like. Couldn't be me. <laughs> I also think he says safety belts, which is yeah. a weird exp- expression. Like I wrote it down and now I'm looking at it going, that isn't the actual word. Well, like um, maybe it's just American for seatbelts, you know. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, well, it's a miracle that the none of these Egypts have gone through a windscreen by now, because seriously, like <laughs> yeah. even Jessica, even the people in the front seats aren't... Mm. Seriously, they need to see that ad to Samantha. Honestly, the no, by Samantha Mumba's body to body. Tell you, one way to ruin a song is <laughs> on a horrific ad. Slow motion <laughs> footage. Graphic being horribly injured for not wearing seatbelts. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is it, because as soon as that cop said it, and like the way he said it was like, I decided not to cite you and your friends for not wearing seatbelts. And I was like, well, you should, because what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is consistent with the terrible, you know, unprofessionalism of the Sweet <laughs> Valley Police Force. Also true. Yeah. So when Cheryl hears this, she bizarrely decides oh, this is the moment to now break. Now is not the time. Because <laughs> when she hears that they didn't find them more for not wearing seatbelts, she goes, how generous. And then says to the others, make sure we get this kind officer a great big bag of donuts for Christmas. So uh, the cop says, I've changed my mind. Now you're going to pay $125. I, I truly don't know what Cheryl was thinking here. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous carry on from everybody involved. In that <laughs> Very team. much so, yeah. And the cop. <laughs> everybody, really. No one got out of this well. Yeah. Well, we cut to the Patman office and we see uh, RJ Patman from behind waving a cigar. Now, there is a little Trumpishness about it him. It is Trumpy, the hair, very Trump, but the voice not at all. So I no. kind of thought that's what they were going through, but maybe just not really leaning into it too hard. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the voice is a bit more Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, so. And we never see his face as well. So it's all, I don't know, it's very... It's it's a weird, weirdly shot scene, but yes, know, that's part of the course. I guess. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah, he's um he's threatening to fire somebody over the phone, um, and uh, saying that if uh, you know they better fire some others or they'll be in. The- it's all about cousin Greg in this week. Oh my discussion. god, Tell you, it keeps linking up, doesn't it? With bitey last week, <laughs> <laughs> Lila and her. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, uh, Mr. Patman wants 200 people fired by Friday or else this person he's on the phone to is out the door with them um, but then he hangs up and <laughs> it's the kind of comedy revealed to Shred that he's like your grandmother isn't as tough as she used to be <laughs> <laughs> I, that was quite a funny line it was good <laughs> yeah uh, 
So uh, Shred, uh, I love Shred's formal garb in this scene because oh, so he's good. with his jacket and tie. Um, but over he, his like usual like Hawaiian yes, shirt. Shred garb. <laughs> just minimum effort. <laughs> and it looks like a sort of a checked jacket. It looks like mm. uh, somebody might have, like the sort of thing that the mayor in, Jor- in Jaws might wear that Shred yeah. has found in a charity shop. <laughs> Very that. <laughs> Um, so Shred introduces Liz and uh, Liz says that Reggie wants to talk to you about the cannery and uh, Orj Patman starts to rave about how great the cannery is we're cowering Shred um, but then sort of pauses and is like hang on a second are you taking interest in the family business? Yeah but Shred is just like oh god I'm out of here and literally tries to run away but Liz stops him and she's like no no tell him about the nets um, so he does, in fairness to him, uh, explains to his dad, look, these nets are... Uh, does he does he use his kind of surfer talk here now? I can't remember, actually. He if kind he it in, of he does, does, a little bit. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, not a full-on shred no. talk, but, you know, not Liz either. No, no, just a little bit. A sprinkling of, of shred. Um, but, yeah, so... Or Jay Patman is like, oh, that's business, you wouldn't understand. Um, but Shred does kind of stand up to him and he's like, you know, these these nets, like, it's not good enough. You need to stop and you need to clean up the beach. Um, and his dad is like, oh, you're letting your heart rule your head and it's not good business. Um, but then uh, Shred points out that he's always his dad is always telling him to take responsibility. So he's like, now it's your turn. Uh, so he does admit that, like, he will give it some thought. So it, it feels like a win, I guess, for uh, yeah. for Shred and, and Liz. Yeah, so... Hmm. I guess this counts as Liz's interview as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she doesn't get any, ask him any direct questions nope. herself, but um, this is apparently a, a result for both of them. They look very mm. cheerful. Yeah. We cut to the moon beach and Enid has won the bet. She looks at her watch and says, this is it. You know, she's the last woman standing. And uh, she asks Winston for her cash. But then she says she almost lost the bet because it turns out that the cop um, who stopped them <laughs> yesterday was her cousin Mark's bowling partner. And if she'd mentioned that, she could have got them out of the ticket. And of course, Jessica is enraged by this. But then Winston points something out. Yeah, apparently it hasn't actually been 48 hours yet and there are still two minutes to go. And then it's like, oh no, but my watch says that it's not. But it's like, nope, she's she's broken the bet, so she has to pay up, uh, unfortunately, for Enid. But then Jessica kind of snatches the money and she's like, nope, this is going to pay for my ticket, which she wouldn't have had to get, apparently, apart only for the bet. Um, but yeah, so Enid's lamenting her watch. Uh, it's two minutes slow, apparently, unlike clearly. Winston's atomic time. Oh, yes, yes, it's very specifically a very good watch. Yeah. That keeps perfect atomic time. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so Enid is like, oh, this stupid watch. He's like, my Aunt Millie got it for me in Vegas when she was there with my cousin Albert last summer. And he gambled away my cousin Greta at the craps table. And poor Greta, I haven't seen her since. <laughs> so they're all back uh, listening to Enid's many, many stories about her crazy family. <laughs> and they all roll their eyes. <laughs> Well, we cut to a happy beach full of frolicking wetsuited children and pelicans flying mm. hither and yon. Um, <laughs> and a gang of workmen are cleaning up the nets from the beach. And uh, Liz runs up to Shred, who says, what's shaking, Liz do? And she shows up a headline. Yeah, so the, the Tribune headline is the corporate raider cleans up his act. So they're delighted with this. And they're like, oh my God, we did it. And Liz tells uh, Shred that she's proud of him because there's been so many animals saved now. 
uh, and they've done such a good job. And yeah. uh, Shred points out that uh, he also got his dad to stop calling him Reginald. Uh, so Liz is like, oh my God, he calls you Shred? And he's like, no, he calls me Reggie. But it's a start. <laughs> and he just looks so happy and they have a little laugh. So and happy. it is a really cute ending. It's very cute. This was fun. I liked this episode. <laughs> Same. Uh, it was genuinely en- entertaining and funny. Um, and uh, I have to say, this season is a lot of fun. It is, isn't it? I don't know. It's just that we had such low expectations with such a big cast shakeup as well. Because, like, there is such a turnover of people <laughs> in yes. pretty big roles, like, in this show. Yeah. Um, like, it's it's probably, I'm sure it's, it was difficult for, like, the new actors to step into these situations but like, yes this this was a good fun episode like a group bet is always kind of a, a fun thing in a sitcom yes. as well, like because it was like the Seinfeld one and I actually checked because you know the Friends uh, episode where they all have like resolutions and it's kind of it's basically this where they like try and give up all their bad habits like oh yes like Rachel has to stop gossiping and yes. can't make fun of anybody uh, and I actually went and checked so this episode was 1996 and that Friends episode was 99 so Sweet Valley High oh. actually got in there first with the bad habits bet <laughs> episode oh trophy. my god good on them plagiarism <laughs> but i did not see coming there you go <laughs> well uh pi beta alpha sisters let us know what you thought of uh this absolute nonsense <laughs> delightful nonsense <laughs> did you enjoy it as much as we did um we love hearing from you um we know where to find us of course we are on twitter at svh podcast you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at svhpodcast, um, where, uh, yeah, people are really enjoying this this series. Um, Maria Teresa Biblioteca was very impressed by what we learned about ice cream men in the last episode and said, you know, when the nuns taught us about vocations in elementary <laughs> school, they certainly failed to mention that being an ice cream man was among the possible spiritual callings. And I, for one, will never forgive Sister Bridget for this oversight. My life could have been so different had I known. Also on my I'm not mad, just disappointed list, Sister Karen, Sister Teresa and Sister Colm. We had Irish nuns at my school. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, for those of you who had a Catholic education, um, if you had older nuns Mm. in your school, they often like nuns who had become uh, nuns pre-Vatican too. So like they, yeah. in my school, they were all retired. They just sort of wandered around the place. Um, <laughs> they did have, uh, like often, like their names were their nun names um, yeah. because they, they didn't just keep their own ones. Mm-hmm. So like the younger nuns, oh, when I say younger, even in the yeah. late 80s, early Relatively. 90s. Relatively. Yeah, they're all in their four, 50s. Like, but they were na- and names like Sister Catherine and... Um, yeah. You know, regular names that they had been given at birth. But we had a sister, Cecil. We had a sister, Benin. My mother's aunt, who was a nurse in the Matter Hospital, uh, was Sister Antoninus. Antoninus, wow. Antoninus. Imagine giving a young woman, like, in I guess it would have been the 40s, the name Antoninus. I can't even remember what her real name was. Oh my God, she sounds like an exorcist. <laughs> she was quite stirred. She just frightened the demon out here. Yeah. Now you're a bit younger than me, so there were were there any of those uh, those those nuns with their nun names in your school? Or... No, so my school uh, we didn't have nuns. We we had priests. Oh, <laughs> so was it a had, former boys' school? So it was exactly yeah. yeah. So the friary, as it was known locally, uh, yeah. So there was, but there was only God. Were there any? 
teachers that were still priests or brothers at that stage. Yeah. There was like a handful, maybe. Yeah, um, same when I was there, like, which would be, you know, like eight years older. Like it was, mm. it was for those who think that Ireland is like full of, of priests and nuns teaching all of us. <laughs> the fact that I'm pushing 50 and had very few classes, to, I mm. say I probably had two classes of my entire time in school taught by nuns. Um, because they just they just weren't that many like they were all really old that's the thing yeah like the older like brothers some of them were involved like there was one like yeah brother spring like he was in charge of like handball so they were a lot of them were involved <laughs> in the sports because it was a big sporty school as well oh, okay. a lot of them were involved in like you know coaching hockey and handball yeah. and whatever bits and pieces of sport uh mostly but then actually yeah father jerry did teach business uh, he was very funny though I liked so him a lot <laughs> he was under retirement age as well exactly yeah. yeah but yeah for the most part it was just like much older like priests that just like lived in the house beside the yes. school kind of, and we just kind of bop around the place yeah, yeah. that was the same <laughs> with us and all our they were all very sweet like these elderly yeah. Dominican nuns and they were the only ones who wore like the habit like the veil oh wow all yeah, the, yeah. All the nuns that were sort of under, you know, 70 uh, were very, it was a very sort of post-Vatican II, like progressive um, mm. uh, order. So they just wore what I consider nun clothes. You know, if you see an older <laughs> woman with a sort of navy pleated yeah. A-line skirt mm-hmm. and a jumper, <laughs> and you're like, that's a nun. Short hair, it's like, that's a nun. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> They're not wearing veils, but they've just got a nun vibe about them. Definitely. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. If only they'd talk to us, they'd never even bother talking about vocations. They've given us up as a lost cause. Our generation of no talking girls. to those young people yeah. but, in uh, the eighties. But oh yes, God. I wish they told us about being an ice cream woman because that would have been quite fun. <laughs> well, it could have been. Could have been a generation of ice cream sellers. <laughs> they, we didn't learn about werewolf saints, and we didn't learn about ice oh, cream. Just a failure on all counts there by the Catholic education system. <laughs> <laughs> do let us know fellow products of a catholic education like were was it a, was your education a lot more non-heavy um because uh <laughs> clearly uh maria was had a lot more nuns going on in school than, than either of us did maybe that's where all the irish nuns went there you to. go we shipped them all off to the yeah. states <laughs> okay but apart from the nun tangent we just went <laughs> we <did have> other <laughs> comments. <laughs> And I did like how Pippi and Shirley reckoned that uh, these corny squares actually just want to see sunsets and go rollerblading. Because remember, we just kept thinking everything was going to be um, code for something sexy, but yeah. but probably not. And I, I, I think she might be right. <laughs> she also was trying to figure out just how old Shred is supposed to be if the black and white flashback was his memory. <laughs> Not just us, though, because that was such a 50s looking ice cream man and van. It was uh, very confusing. It really was. Um, And yes, a lot of people are very sad that we weren't given a proper Shred Enid romance because Mm. everybody loves those two. Mm. So much love for Shred, actually, in the comments. I love it. (laughs) Speaking of Shred, thanks to some internet sleuths. We have found him. He is alive. Shred lives. Shred, shred lives. <laughs> he does indeed. And it looks like he's doing great. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he has a job that is uh, looks, you know, uh, very uh, successful. That has nothing to do with advertise with with acting. Mm. So like he's got proper qualifications. He does. Um, yeah. So uh, we don't want to dox him. No. Accidentally. <laughs> but, the thing. He's uh, just a regular guy living his life. So good for him. Yes. 
Uh, and it is definitely him because the photo on his uh, on his workplaces website is very mm-hmm. obviously the same person. Like, oh, yeah. nearly thirty years later. So uh, good for you, John Jocelyn. Hmm. Um, uh, I hope there's still a bit of shred left in you after all after all Same. these years. Girls. Yeah, I think we were slightly surprised by just the the, the twist the trajectory and trajectory of his career. Was... Yes, but uh, but there was a nice. I think there was a little uh, detail or two that like he he enjoys. I think making furniture and like restoring old motorbikes. And it was like, yes, that that feels like the shred we know. Yes, <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> nice to see. Um. So uh, yeah, Pi Beta Alpha Sisters, thank you once again for uh, for joining joining us in the clubhouse. Um. I mean, I guess I should say probably to Alpha siblings because all genders are welcome mm. in the clubhouse. So uh, yeah, you know, um, you we you know you are the wind beneath our wings, and we always uh, appreciate hearing from you, and we very much appreciate you supporting the show. And thank you to those of you who wrote reviews on various platforms. Um, it is it is much appreciated. It really is. Thank you so much. Well. We will see you in the main feed next week for part mm-hmm. two <laughs> of Je- Jessica's Secret Sex Offender. That's what it's called. <laughs> and it doesn't get any more uh, less unsettling, listeners. Oh, God, yeah. If you thought the first bit was unhinged, I just, I don't even know if we can prepare you for what's coming down the line. <laughs> We really got there is the best moment in the entire book is coming. It's so exciting. I shrieked like I can't wait to chat about it. I think we both did. (laughs) So we'll see you in the main feed for that next week. Uh, Just brace yourselves, listeners. (laughs) But we will see you. Oh, my God. I'm hoping for another Miss Kitty situation. We'll see you in two weeks time. When Lila and Jessica take jobs at a, uh, a retail outlet and become mole brats. Oh, love that. <laughs> see you then, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.